0: So as we begin this morning's service, I just want to say that this week, Sarah even prayed. Just with all that we've had going on, it just seems like every week, each week, throws us a different curve. In the national spotlight, in our community, with the coronavirus, with with riots and looting and just race being pushed to the forefront of our minds. I got a call. We're, sorry. I, I got a, an email from a pastor that I know here in town. He said, Chris, we have we have uh, come together as leaders of faith and we have worked on this document. We have come up with a statement on racism. It's attached to this document and we're all inviting the clergy of Sumter to come and to sign and to stand together. I don't know about you, but as I think about change, as I think about making a difference, the only way that we can make a difference is if we stand together, if we stand united And so I began to read over this document. For those on the phone, I passed this document out. If you need a copy of it, I'd be glad to get you one. But I'm going to read it. And I signed it. I was one of about 68 clergy members from across the community, from across denominations, to sign this document. And it's entitled, Sumter Leaders of Faith. It's dated June 26, 2020. And here's what it says. Let's read this together. Throughout the Bible, Scripture reveals God's will to do justice. The Hebrew prophets continually remind God's people, what does God, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and walk humbly with your God. Micah 6.8 The prophets give specific warning to those who seek only their own well-being and ignore the well-being of the marginalized and oppressed. The failure of God's people to be just and righteous is clearly seen as disobedient to God in the reason for national decay and destruction. Racism is a sin against humanity and God. Racism is the opposite of what God intends for humanity. Racism is the rejection of the other, which is entirely contrary to the Word of God, incarnate in Jesus Christ. Racism is a lie about our fellow human beings, for it says that some are less than others. Racism violates the dignity due to those created in the image of God, every man, woman, and child in His creation, Racism is a lie, is also a lie about God, for racism falsely claims that God favors parts of creation over the entirety of all creation. As a sin, racism must be acknowledged and confessed before there can be reconciliation. Therefore, we, the clergy of Sumter, are distraught and dismayed by the recent death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor and countless others that have left families broken, children without parents, mothers and fathers without children, and African-Americans as a whole feeling afraid, targeted, and empty. We wholeheartedly condemn all acts of police brutality, systemic racism, and the hate that is so deeply intertwined with them. We stand in solidarity in insisting that black lives do matter because God's word declares that every person matters. We also love and support our brothers and sisters in blue. Still, police brutality is never acceptable, and we must hold those who commit these acts to account. We, those who serve God and his church in the greater Sumter area, commit to being a part of the change we pray for in this community. We are thankful that we stand on the shoulders of faithful men and women who have proclaimed justice, equality, and the reconciling work of Jesus Christ. Following their example, we commit to loving our brothers and sisters across denominations, ethnicities, and barriers that divide. We are one in Christ, and we will strive to live this each day now, I want to pause here. Why do I share this with you? Well, I share it with you because I believe in what they wrote. I believe in what they're saying. But I share it with you because the prayer of those who signed this document is here in these last few lines. And again, if we're going to make a difference, it's not just the clergy standing together. It's Christians standing together. Our common prayer and our common goal is that Sumter would be a city on a hill showing the world that perfect love casts out fear and the hate it breeds. We therefore call on every clergy member of this community and every follower of Jesus to work with us to build relationships that honor God. This, by God's grace, is a work of the Holy Spirit which will bring about transformation in our churches, homes, and communities. Amen? That we'll work on building relationships that honor God. And as they close, it is a work of the Holy Spirit that will bring transformation. It is allowing Christ to be in us and to be shown through us. As they mentioned, you don't, and Scripture tells us, you don't like, A lamp. You don't light a lamp and hide it under a a bushel, a basket, but you set it on a lampstand that it may give light. So let us be bearers of light.
1: So this week, I really was going to start a new series. I was, I was ready to start a new series. I was excited about it, and then I got this document and I began to read it. I began to pray. My heart was pierced by the verse that they shared that we're going to study this morning. But over and over again throughout the week, there were things that God put in my path that were speaking into what we're going to talk about this morning. And one of those is a story that I'd seen before, but I guess I needed to see it again. For those of you who know my kind of heartbeat, it's stories. Sometimes I'm not the best at telling stories, but I, I I love stories. Stories are important because stories connect. We see ourselves, we see commonality, but they also help us to see bigger issues. And so, I want to tell you a story about two men. It happened in a small town called Benton Harbor, Michigan, and it was 2005. The day began like any other, and there were two men. One was named Jamel McGee, and the other was Andrew Collins. They both began their day, and they set out. Andrew Collins was an officer with the police department there in Benton Harbor. Jamel McGee was a citizen. Andrew, white. Jamel, African American. In the course of that day, their paths crossed, and Jamel was accused and arrested for dealing drugs. Now, his response was, I didn't do it. You've got the wrong person. It wasn't me. And like the guy guy who was telling the story, the, the reporter, the interviewee, how often do you hear that? So time goes by, Jamel goes to prison. Andrew Collins continues his work as a police officer. But the thing about that morning was when Andrew Collins woke up, he had in his mind that he was going to make another drug arrest. That day he was going to make another drug arrest and he falsified the evidence in the police report. Now, as we know, the Bible tells us, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, right? That that the things that are done in secret will eventually be exposed. And they were. And so not only was Jamel someone who he had falsified that report, but he had done that on other occasions. Andrew is dismissed, he is prosecuted, and he goes to jail. So... Jamel serves four years for a crime he did not commit. Andrew Collins serves a year and a half for falsifying police report, among other things. Jamel told in the interview that his only goal while he was in prison, when he got out, his goal was to seek Andrew and to hurt him. But God. The interesting thing is that they both ended up at a place called Mosaic, which is a faith based employment agency. And they were working side by side the bad cop and the wrongly accused. It's no coincidence. They're at a faith-based employment agency. For those of you that don't know about those, I've read, I've studied about those, there are men and women who go into communities who are believers of Jesus Christ, and they say, I'm going to start a coffee house, and I'm going to invite people who have just been released from prison, for example, or who are trying to get their lives straight. I'm going to invite them in as they're trying to rebuild their lives, and I'm going to give them a job. But as I give them a job, I'm also going to drip my faith and have other people of faith working around them. So you have ex-cons and believers working side by side to make a difference. So the day comes, and obviously they have to kind of face each other. They're working. They're in the trenches together. And so Andrew looks at Jamel, and he says, I have no explanation. I'm sorry. And Jamel accepted his apology. And I remember him saying in the interview, he said, he doesn't owe me that. He doesn't owe me that. So not only are they cordial, but they're, they're friends. They've begun to share life together. And not only that, but now Jamel and Andrew take their story of forgiveness, and they take it and they share it on a bigger platform. They take it and they share it at events. And conferences, to share that story of reconciliation, to share that story of forgiveness, and can I remind you this morning that that we, as we think about this story, as we think about the forgiveness that Jamel gave Andrew and he said he doesn 't owe me that that is like our relationship with christ, the forgiveness that God gave us we do not deserve but he gave us that because he loves us he loves us and it came through his only son jesus christ we were we were owed death that's the only thing that we are owed but because god wanted to bring that right relationship back he's given us something that we don't deserve that's what forgiveness is all about So this morning, I want to invite you to turn in your Bible to the book of Micah, Micah in the Old Testament. If you'll turn over to Micah chapter 6, Micah is right after Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, and Nahum, Habakkuk. So there we find Micah towards the end of the Old Testament. As you're turning there, Micah was a prophet. He predicted the fall of Samaria. His message, Micah's message, was aimed at greedy and oppressive landowners who supported Israel's corrupt political and religious leaders who had led the nation into moral decay. Friends, it is a constant reminder that the White House and Washington will not save us. Do not put your hope and your faith and your trust in corrupt people. Are they all corrupt? No. But there were political and even religious, yes, there are religious leaders who will lead people into moral decay. So look with me this morning in Micah 6, verse 8. This message is entitled, Required. Required. So as we think about this world that we're living in and all that's happening around us, what is required of us? Micah tells us. Micah 6, verse 8. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? What does the Lord require? To do justice. I, I, that's how the ESV translates. It says to do justice. It's not just to talk about justice. Right? It's not just to understand justice. It's not just to hope that there is justice. But we are to do justice. In essence, friends, we are to do what is Right, Micah tells us that we 're to love kindness we 're to love mercy, and we 're to walk humbly with god, so we 're to do what is right we 're to love mercy and we 're to walk humbly. I invite you to turn to in your bulletin in the middle, Thank you, Ms Terry, for um, typing this back up for us, but I want you to listen. At how mainly um, two other translations give us this particular verse. So in this, in the in your bulletin, you'll see the AMP or the Amplified version. You also see the New King James, but I want to look at the message as well. But when I was, that's what I do a lot of times when I'm studying verses, and I really want to, I want to kind of wrap my mind around. Okay, God, what are you saying? What are what is this? What does this mean? What does it mean to do justice? What it means to do what is right? And so I will look. I will click on that. Th- I will click on that verse, and I will do compare. And as I compare, I will kind of just see what bubbles to the top. What is God going to say to me? What is God going to help me see through this? And so the Amplified Version says this: He has told you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, except to be just and to love. And to diligently practice kindness, compassion, and to walk humbly with your God, setting aside any overblown sense of importance or self-righteousness. The Amplified Version is a good translation because it takes the original language, the Greek, the Hebrew and because some of those words, a lot of times in English, don't immediately transfer over, right? We don't necessarily have a word for that. It gives you the deeper, the richer meaning of what the text, what, those, what, what, what they're saying, what the writer, what the penman is saying, the Lord is saying through them. And then the message. But has he already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women? It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And I love this part. This is what stood out to me. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Do what is right. Love mercy and walk humbly. Matthew tells us, Matthew 5, verse 9, where possible, work for peace and reconciliation among people in conflict. We're to be peacemakers. And can I remind you this morning, as you're to be a peacemaker, that being a peacemaker is not always easy? It is not an easy task. I've found myself trying to be the peacemaker in my family. As things have happened... Right? With different loved ones and different branches of my family. This one's mad and about this and that. And so it's like, well, you need to tell them this or they need to do this. And it's like, you're caught in the middle. But we're called to be peacemakers. I'll never forget one time in particular, I was stuck in a situation where I had to call and just tell somebody that they weren't necessarily invited. Um, it, was involved, it was a funeral. And so they weren't invited to the family portion of it. Right Where the family gathers ahead of time, the request was made that they didn 't want this individual there with the family beforehand, right because i don't know about you, but sometimes when tragedy happens, you get these yahoos and people that are like next and next to kin you ain 't heard none from them in ages, but they say, "Well, all the family, please join us, and they show up and so somebody that i in the family took you know had a problem with that, and so I had to call my I guess, great uncle who I have always thought highly of, and I had to have a conversation with him. Do you know how hard that is to call somebody who has always loved and respected you and and be like, you're trying to honor the wish of what someone else in your family says? You're stuck in the middle. But we're called to be peacemakers. And so I had to pray. I had to pray before I, I dialed the number and before I had sent, I said, God, you've got to give me the strength that I need to make this conversation, to have this conversation with this person. Is it easy? No. But we're called to be peacemakers. And so I had to have that conversation. And they were receptive. They were like, okay, we understand. We'll, we'll see you, you know, later on in the service. Okay, thank you. Right? But we build these things up in our head and we make them... We, just, we tell ourselves stories and we have to speak truth into those. As I told you already this week as I was looking at this verse and, and Mike is saying, you know, do what's right to love mercy, to love kindness and to walk humbly with God. And everywhere I turned, the story of Jamel and Andrew and this book I picked up and this other sermon that I listened to and these tweets that I saw, everything was just speaking into this thing of what's required of us. Um, Friday we went to... Um, Florence, and there's a bookstore I love. I don't need any books. For those of you who've been in my office or who've been in my house, I have stacks and stacks of books. I do not need another book. Kendall agrees, but that's, I, I love books. I love, it's just something I enjoy. And so we went to the bookstore. I did not need another book, but I'm always, a, I'm, a, I'm a bargain hunter. My mom taught me that well. Um, it's a good deal, right? You've got to buy it. It's such a good deal. So, hey, I I found this book and I was like, oh, this is interesting. And it's called Unified How Our Unlikely Friendship Gives Hope for a Divided Country. Turned it over on the back, original price $24.99. Turned it on the front, $5. Well, that's a bargain. That's a steal. But the book is written by two guys uh, now, Senator Tim Scott and former Congressman Trey Gowdy. I didn't know who Trey Gowdy was. I know of Tim Scott, he is a believer. He makes his faith known. I've seen many clips of him uh, on TV and on Twitter, on social media, on Facebook, sharing his faith openly, talking about God, not just you know using it as a banner to get votes, but really living it out. Also, uh, my wife thinks a lot of him because he is uh, pro-life, and he has made that stance known. He's an African-American gentleman from Charleston. And so this book is about These two guys, an African-American senator and a congressman, both from South Carolina. And I just want to read a portion of it to you this morning. This is what kind of drew me in. On the dust jacket, it says this. If we're going to heal the division in our nation, it will only happen through dedicated friendships that overcome our differences. If friendship and reconciliation can happen in Washington, D.C., it can happen anywhere. And we can restore our communities one friendship at a time. That's what I read. That's what kind of drew me in. But here's what I want to share with you. And I'm kind of in the section where, they're, where it's really kind of getting, it's about the, th- the third chapter or so, I think, um, when the Charleston um, shooting happened, when the nine folks were killed at Mother Emanuel Church. And so they said that that really tested both of them and that became, you know, put race at the forefront and and how we responded as not only a city but as a state and as a nation. So listen to what they said as they were just talking about this was before this when they were getting in when they were both freshmen incoming there in Congress. Because of our different backgrounds and life experiences, this is Tim talking. Because of our different backgrounds and life experiences, there are times when our vantage points are polar opposites. But one thing that binds us together is a true desire to know each other beyond our differences. We utilize that knowledge in our different perspectives to make each other better. No matter what differences we may have with another person, social, racial, political, spiritual, ideological, can't say that. For if we look for something we have in common or something we can admire or emulate in the other person, we can always build on that. And they close this chapter by saying, Trey and I are both in politics, but politics isn't going to change the nation. We will change the nation only by changing the condition of the human heart. And that can only happen through love. Through true friendship that is born out of acceptance and unconditional love. A love that is consistent and intentional. Micah says that we're to do what is right. We're to love kindness and we're to walk humbly interesting that I, why would i find this book right during this time as i'm like what are we what's required of us how do we how do how how is a a leader of faith how do we speak into that and that's what they're talking about that's what they talked about in part of this book is you know, sometimes sometimes you just need to shut up Sometimes you need to speak up, but sometimes you need to just shut up. And so you need somebody that you can count on that will counsel you. And that's what these two men found. Even though they were very different, they didn't know each other before they got there. One was a lawyer and a prosecutor. And one came from, you know, his family picked cotton and his mother helped raise him. Right? But they came from very different backgrounds. But they found commonality. And they came to the table and they learned from one another. This week I also read an article from In Touch magazine. It was called Righteous and Just. It, it ran in July of 2015. So as we think about this, do what is right. Listen to what was said. Righteousness isn't only about what you stand up for, but who. God pursues justice and righteousness for his world and he calls his people to participate with him. If we're going to seek justice, we must learn to trust and rely on God as we are sacrificially give ourselves, potentially ending up in risky situations. I watched a message by a gentleman named Kim Bevel, an African-American gentleman who is a pastor on staff at Sherwood Baptist in Albany, Georgia. For those of you that watched the movie Courageous and Fireproof, he was the actor that was in there. He's one of the pastors on their staff. And I listened to him talk about, you know, how do we respond in times like this? And he said this. He said, the same love that we were drawn with, talking about Jesus, is the same love that we need to give out. You see, friends, Habakkuk said... In, two, in chapter 2, verse 4, the just shall live by faith. So friends, as people of faith, longing to be agents of God, let us pursue life-giving action for our neighbors and our enemies for a world torn apart by sin. You might come to a message like this and you might say, okay, yeah, Chris, you're to do justice, you're to love kindness, you're to walk humbly with God, but why? Why? So I think we have to look at the biggest picture. We have to realize, as we've already mentioned today, that that's what we're called to do, that's what the Lord requires of us to do, that as Matthew reminded us, we're to be peacemakers, peacemakers that we're to live by faith. But in the end of chapter 7, Micah gives us something else. He says, Who is God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of His inheritance? He does not retain His anger forever because He delights in steadfast love He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. So this morning, I want to invite you I'm going to open the altar and I'm going to invite us into a time of prayer. I don't know what's on your heart and mind. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know. Maybe you've been unfair and unjust to someone. Maybe you're not walking as humbly as you should. Because listen, as I think about humility, humility is strange. It's a strange thing because the minute you think you've got it, you've lost it. So all of us, me included, especially me included, Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. When it comes to humility. Maybe I'm not the most humble person. So I'm going to bow. I'm going to pray for myself. I'm going to pray for our nation. I'm going to pray for my actions. But as we bow, I want to share with you a quote that I found. Michael Catt, the pastor of Sherwood. I was scrolling through his Instagram and I ran across his post. He talked about a preacher who had had influence in his life. His name was Evie Hill. He said he's a preaching machine. He's passed away now. And so he, he told a story about how one time he was in school. This is Michael Cat speaking. And so they skipped school to go hear E.V. Hill preach. And he said this, personally, I know that my salvation is because of a Jew. My Jesus is not a blonde-headed, blue-eyed European in paintings. And so E.V. Hill used to tell people that there was a time when he received death threats from the Black Panthers because they didn't like him preaching about the white Jesus. And this was his reply. I don't know anything about a white Christ I know about Christ, a savior named Jesus. I don't know what color he is. He was born in brown Asia. He fled to black Africa and he was in heaven before the gospel got to white Europe. So I don't know what color he is, but I do know one thing. If you bow at the altar with color on your mind and you get up with color on your mind, go back again. And keep going back until you no longer look at his color, but you look at his greatness and his power. His power to save. Friends, don't put Jesus in a box. If Jesus hates everybody you do and dislikes everybody you do, he's not God. He's somebody you've made up in your own mind. God is not to be put in a box white, blonde, blue-eyed. No. You look at where he came from. You look at where he's Well, We don't know what he looked like, but that's not him. Don't worship that image of Christ. Look at who he is, his greatness and his power, and that he came to save. And so I invite you this morning, as Miss Betsy continues to play, I invite you to the altar to just pray, to pray for something in your life to pray for something you need to ask for forgiveness of sins why because the word tells us micah tells us that he will cast our sins into the depths of the sea there is hope in that amen and we're to live by faith i invite you now to just come and and pray and to kneel and to ask god to forgive you of your sins to give you strength to whatever it may be come will you come As a service and time of prayer and reflection. My prayer is that we would do as Micah is reminding us that we would do justice. Not just think about justice, not just try to understand justice, but that we would do justice. We would do what is right, that we would love kindness that we would walk humbly with our God. Father, I pray for these, your people. Lord, I pray that as they leave this place, Lord, that you have pierced their heart and mind with a truth that needs to be lived out. A truth that that you've called them to obey a truth that you've called them to emulate in their lives to be more like Jesus. And so, Father, I pray for your will to be done. Lord, help us to walk into difficult and uneasy conversations knowing that that you are with us that we do not go alone. Lord, that you have called us to be peacemakers. And you have called us, as Ken reminded me this week, Lord, the same love that drew me should be the same love that I give to others. Father, help us to love, to lead well, to do what is right, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with you. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.